This is Father Kevin Hale with the homily for the 10th Sunday of the Church's year, the 10th of June. I'm sure most of you, like myself, have been bombarded daily in recent weeks with emails and letters regarding GDPR, which is to do with data protection. Similarly, we're getting constant reminders about keeping our computers safe with the appropriate firewalls and virus protection. And those of you who do online banking or who have businesses will also understand the need for good security. And the rest of us on a daily basis, well, we take for granted now that we can't just leave our doors open. We can't leave things unlocked in the vain hope that our homes and property uh, will be safe from intrusion. So where does this obsession with safety and security come from? Obviously, it's nothing new because from time immemorial, there have been that, been that phenomenon of others violating the space and property of others. The origin of this can be traced back to that third chapter in the book of Genesis, which is read at Mass today. In all of the literature of the world, I don't know of a richer account of who we are what we are called to be, and what goes wrong with us. It's called original sin, the sin of Adam and Eve. It's the story of the fall. What has happened to us in the aftermath of original sin? God had to look for Adam. He asks, where are you? Because shame has driven him to hide from God. Because sin always involves an alienation from God, a wandering away. And God, even as he asks that question, is not giving up on us. Rather, he's seeking us out. Where are you? Even when we feel a million miles from God, there's still that strange link, that compelling tug, that conviction that we're not where we're supposed to be. We might say this is the voice of conscience. Where are you? And then comes Adam's answer. I was afraid, so I hid myself. Prior to original sin, Adam wasn't afraid of God at all. He was quite happy pottering around in paradise, uninhibited. You can see this image by making a contrast between a toddler running around the house, totally unaware of themselves, their state of dress or undress, compared to teenagers in action who are utterly and totally self-conscious. Or notice how in the presence of friends we can be totally free and vulnerable. That's the way we're meant to be with God. That's what God wanted from the beginning, to be totally open with him, shameless if you like. But shame in this sense is a child of sin. It's the result of sin. God knows this and immediately asks, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree I forbade you to eat? The moment that Adam says, I was afraid and hid, he knew he'd sinned, because prior to sin, he wouldn't have wanted to hide through fear. The tragedy of original sin, and all subsequent sin, is the doing of my will against God's will, and the rupture which that disobedience creates. What follows from this original sin is the excuse, the blaming. It was the woman you put with me, she gave me the fruit and I ate. And when God inquires of the woman, she plays the same blame game. 
The serpent tricked me into it, so I ate it. One of the most fundamental functions of sin is blaming, finger-pointing, scapegoating, accusing. Watch any of the chat shows which have become so popular in recent times and keep count of how many times people blame others. Watch any news show and keep a note of how many times someone is being blamed. Then keep that note in mind and do the same exercise when you engage with your friends in casual conversation. We sit down even with our friends in normal conversation. We might talk about the weather for a while, but before you know it, we're blaming, shaming, accusing. The two great names of the devil in the Bible are the accuser and the scatterer. Both are operative and visible in the story. He blames her, she blames the serpent, and notice that more subtle blaming of God himself that's going on. The woman that you put here with me, he says to God, she made me do it. The protection of the fragile ego becomes the paramount concern in the wake of sin. Prior to sin, the ego didn't even exist. There was no concern for ourselves or how we looked or acted. So right at that moment, at the very start of salvation history, God saw that he would send his son to be the one who would be the means of setting right the chaos and confusion that exists. Jesus did this above all on the cross when he extended his arms in that gesture of mercy and reconciliation, when he scattered the lies of the one who is called the accuser and restored the possibility of peace and harmony in human nature. Just as the first sin which led to this chaos started with a tree, so it was the wood of the tree of the cross that restored our nature in Christ, the second Adam. He undoes by his death on the cross the effects of sin described in the book of Genesis. And at that time, that same time, God saw that he would send his son and that he would create the Blessed Virgin Mary, who would be the instrument for bringing God into the world, conceived without original sin. Her perfection is the boast of the human race. That's why we need her human and her maternal help in the daily task of corresponding to the greatness that we are all called to live. Let us pray. O God, from whom all good things come, grant that we who call on you in our need may at your prompting discern what is right, and by your guidance do it. Through Christ our Lord.